0: Welcome to the Niece's Nugs Podcast. What's up, friends? Welcome back to Niece's Nugs Podcast, Episode 10. How are we already on Episode 10? Man, thanks for joining. If it's your first time, I appreciate it. Go back and check out some of the other episodes. But thank you so much for listening and sharing and giving feedback about the podcast, please continue to do so. And hit me up. Let me know what you want me to talk about next. But today, I want to talk about cars. Yeah, that's right, cars. There's so many directions for the. Ooh, did you catch that pun? No pun intended. And I will probably do some more podcasts about this in the future. In fact, tomorrow, a soon dropping Trash Tuesday specifically about drivers. Make sure you're not driving when you're listening to that episode. But today, I want to talk about your transportation, cars, my transportation. Do we buy them new? Do we buy them used? Do we lease? Do we own? How do we handle vehicles? You see, growing up, I never really had a fascination with cars. I had many friends who did, who had car magazines and who dreamt about putting wheels and tires and doing all these modifications. That was not me. In their teenage years, they spent their money on fixing their cars up. I spent my money on food and still do to this day. Our family really never had nice cars, so maybe that's one of the reasons. I, I remember growing up how we, in elementary school, man, I would ride to school with my mom, and she would drive this Volkswagen Beetle. I remember the way it smelled. I remember getting into that cracked leather interior seats and just the, the smell of the exhaust and the fact that the engine was in the front held together by a paperclip. I mean, that was the mode of transportation. And I had dreams about fixing that up one day. And and then my mom got a Toyota Tercel SR5 Gold Series, as we liked her. Man, this thing was not awesome. It had a tilt meter, so it could tell you if you were going left or right or up or down. If you were going to flip the car over, it had a sunroof. But it had brown brown interior, not leather. Uh, It was a hatchback. Man, and this thing became mine. I remember painting the wheels black and putting some rims on it, being like, okay, now I'm rolling. This thing got me around town, but there was not much else to it. Then I had a Sabrain convertible. My brother passed this one on, and this was just a car that got me from A to B. The, the top came down, and you would smell the leaking oil hitting the pan, you know, the oil pan and uh, just smoking. And um, you could figure out it was, just, it was just a vehicle that looked cooler than it actually was. When I went to college, I ended up in a 1984 Honda Prelude. This thing had no AC, no radio, no working gas gauge, and the battery often died. I mean, I think I would park on the side of hills because I knew that at any moment the car might not start, but it was a five-speed, so as long as I could get it rolling, I could pop the clutch and get that car going, the the gas gauge didn't even work. So I remember driving back from Athens, Georgia to Atlanta, not remembering the last time I put gas in, and all of a sudden the car died on the side of the road because I had run out of gas. And I remember having to get a ride to the gas station to put gas in it, not knowing even how much I had put in it. Man, it was always an experience. And the Prelude finally gave out, and it was time for me to buy a car. I bought a used car from a guy that lived on Lake Lanier and it was a Honda Civic. I remember buying this white 1995 Honda Civic four-door, the very economy model, didn't even have power locks, power doors, but it got me from A to Z, A to B, and it was reliable. It worked, and it was the upgrade that got me through college. Eventually, the Civic um, overheated. The head gasket broke, and there was a moment when I was in grad school in seminary where I had to make a decision do I put money into the Civic to repair the engine, which is estimated to be two twenty-two thousand dollars to 2500 $2, or do I look for a newer car that could replace my car, last longer, and be more reliable? And so I began the search. The, the Civic was still drivable. You just had to kind of mask the symptoms and kind of baby it to get it to go from A to B without overheating. But I became very... Uh, astute and being able to do that. And so I began this idea of looking for a car. Now, before I go too far, You might have heard the term, and you might know some people that, man, they're house poor, right? They have a nice house, but they're paying way more for their house than they should, and so it ends up making the rest of their life suffer because they're paying way too much for this house in an effort to either live in a place they can't afford to live or have a house that they can't afford to buy, whatever the reason. Well, there's also car poor, and I didn't want to be car poor. It's a reality, and I didn't have much income coming in, and so I knew that I could not afford a monthly payment going out that... It was too much. And so some people today, they have a payment that's out of control because they're so enamored with driving a nice new car that they become car poor because they're putting all their money into a payment to pay the interest on a loan on a car they didn't need to have. And so I didn't want to do that. I wanted something reliable, something that would last, specifically until I finished school and found a new job, and so I began looking. I, I look at Honda pre-owns. I looked at some Toyota that were uh, verified, things like that. And ultimately, I'm driving down the interstate in Fort Worth, Texas, and out of the corner of my eye, I see a Kia dealership. And I'm like, nah, I ain't interested in that. But as I got closer, I see this rows of car out there. Rows of car out there that I'm like, that car actually looks kind of nice. It was a sport model Spectra, and I was like, I, I'm kind of interested. I'm just going to pull off the roads. So I got off the interstate. I went over there, and they had a sale on it. Uh, It was listed for around $12,000. 12.6, I believe, is what it was listed for. The sticker price on it was closer to eighteen. so they were trying to move these. Obviously, they were trying to move some of these um, models before some new ones came in, and so I asked to test drive it, took it on a test drive, and I actually really, really enjoyed the vehicle, partly because it was a new car, but also because it was a five-speed, which I was used to. It also had a great um steering component had the sport package on it so i really liked it but i didn't want to give off that effect because i wanted to figure out how much i could get this car for so go in start negotiating and ultimately got the car down to a price that i thought man i could afford this but i need to do some research i hadn't thought about buying a kia i didn't go out that day and search for a kia and i wanted to see what the Kia was worth, what I thought I could get it for, and whether it was reliable. So I went home, I did some reviews, I left the dealership, they made a threat that said, if you leave, you're not going to get this price, blah, blah, blah. And I said, okay. And so I went and did some research, and about three days later, I was like, man, that's a, that's a good deal. Now, I don't recommend buying a new car for a couple of reasons. One, if you buy a brand new car, estimates are that the moment you drive it off the lot, it depreciates so much in value. In fact, in the first five years, they estimate that it drops between 40 and 60% in value, depreciates just like that, and you're paying for that if you're buying the new car. Now, that's not true of all cars. There are some cars that hold value better than others, but on average, that's quite substantial. And so I don't recommend you taking that on when somebody else can pay that and you can buy a one- or two- or three-year-old used car for a great price, and it's like new to you. But for me, it was something that I was interested in looking into because, one, it had a great warranty. And two, it was very reliable. And three, the price was actually down around what I was going to pay for a used car. Once I got the negotiation, I was going to pay the exact same thing for a used car. So this came with a better warranty, a car that I liked more. And so I said, let's explore this more than what we did. So, I go back to the dealership a few days later. I talked to them about this car. They obviously knew that I came back interested in the car, and so I'd given away some leverage at that point. But then I began to have a conversation about buying my Kia Spectre. Now, a couple of negotiation things I want to point out. Number one is this when you go into negotiation, you need to know this everything is negotiable, everything has a price and everything can be adjusted, especially cars. So when someone says no negotiation, unless in the small, 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 small exception, there's always negotiation. And so you need to understand. Now, there are some places like CarMax, they, they ain't going to negotiate with you, but you can always get more for your car or things like that. But here's what you need to know in negotiation. When you walk into negotiation, especially in a car dealership, you need to know this. They need to sell it. More than you need to buy it. Now, they didn't know (laughs) that my car was overheating. They didn't know that the head gasket was broke. They didn't know these things. So they didn't know how bad I needed a car and soon in the next couple months. But I did. But I didn't let them know. What I did let them know was they needed that car off the lot. You know how I know they needed it off the lot? They had lowered the price $6,000 without me saying a word just because they were trying to move some inventory which told me they were trying to get rid of some cars prior to some new cars coming. So you need to understand this. principle is they need to sell it more than you need to buy it. It goes for a lot of things in life. And so the question is you need to ask yourself, do you need whatever you're trying to buy? And if you do, can you go into it from a position negotiation where whoever's selling it doesn't know that you need it? They need to sell it. In negotiation two, got to be ready to hold your ground. You can't feel guilty about what you're doing. You need to understand that you are going to be pressured, but if you have an idea of a price in mind, you can get to that pretty, pretty well simply by following that negotiation technique. Now, in the back of my mind, I knew that if they didn't buy it on the price I wanted to pay, I always had that money, and I could go find a used car for the same price or less. And the same is true for you. If they don't bite on it, then you walk away. And sometimes by you just threatening to walk away, they come back and give you a better offer. I did not need my new car. And I specifically didn't need it at their price. In fact, when I went back, they said, okay, well, it's actually 18000 dollars now. We'll give it to you for $15. I said, no, 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 no. I had it down to 10 the other day. We're gonna we're gonna do it for ten. They said, no, 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 it's fifteen, blah, 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 I said, okay, well, I don't need to have this. About 30 minutes later, going back and forth and me threatening to walk away, they came back one last time and said, Is there any way you can meet us in the middle? And I said, I tell you what, I will give you one more dollar than what I'm offering. That's my meeting in the middle. Guess what? They took the offer. And I bought a car that day because I had my research done. I knew that they needed to sell it, and I was ready to roll. Now, that car lasted me a long time. I got through seminary. I did an internship. I lived on my own. I got married. We moved, and we lived in Myrtle Beach. a long time, almost a decade, going all over the country. And eventually, that car wore out, and it was time for something else. So I began shopping again. And I have some friends in the local area who were suggesting different car dealers to different people knowing cars. And even in that, I went to one of these and tried to find a car and was negotiating. And they weren't willing to bite like I thought that they should be. And even my friend's friend even said to me, oh, you're, you're one of those people. And I was like, one of those people who wants to find a good deal, who doesn't want to pay you a premium to put in your pocket to pay for your house on the waterway. Yeah, I'm one of those people who knows what a car is worth and is willing to pay that or less than that because I know that I can get that. Now, they didn't buy it. Now, what I found out about Myrtle Beach is in some markets are like this some markets have a captive audience. If you think about Myrtle Beach, a lot of retired people live in Myrtle Beach, which means this, they're not going all over the place to shop for a car. They're gonna go down the street, they're gonna get a car, and they're gonna buy it without much negotiation. And so a lot of the car dealers here aren't willing to negotiate like some other markets are. It's just what I've experienced. Additionally, cars in Myrtle Beach are between five dollars to $10,000 more than the exact same car in a market less than a two-hour drive away. I was looking at cars at one dealership here that were $5,000 more than the exact same car on a dealership in Charleston. And I saw this to play out all over the place that they have a captive audience and so they don't have to lower the price. And in fact, this buddy of a buddy of mine who basically was saying, he's trying to make me feel bad. Why would you buy it out of loyalty from someone down the road when you can buy it from me and I'll take care of it? And I said, because if I buy this car down the road, I'll pay $8,000 less and you still have to take care of it because it's your brand on the car. But people try to pressure you, and you need to understand that you don't have to succumb to the pressure. So you expand your search, and you start looking elsewhere. And for us, I started looking in Charleston in Fayetteville in Raleigh in Columbia and Atlanta. In fact, when we bought my wife her new car, new car to her, we looked at a car here, we figured out what we wanted, and the car here in Myrtle Beach was priced $8,000 more than the car that we ended up getting in Atlanta and the one in Atlanta had more features. It was at a dealership in Atlanta and we paid a simple nominal fee at $300 and they brought the car to us and we didn't have to buy it here. And it was a nicer, more loaded car at a cheaper price simply because we were able to expand the search. Now when we were looking for my car, we just got lucky. My in-laws lived in Florida. There was an ad in the paper This guy was selling a Buick Encore that was not on the list of things that I wanted to buy. It was a red Buick Encore convenience model. When they texted us, we were like, eh, I don't know. But what happened was this man who was selling it, his father had died, and he was just simply trying to get rid of the car and not pay any money. And so he sold us the car. He said, if you'll pay off the debt, you can have the car for that. Well, guess what? We had cash. We paid off the debt, and we got an incredible deal in the car that, in fact, if I sold it today, I could probably got what I paid for. We were patient. We looked in papers. We had help doing it, and we were able to expand our search, and we had the money ready to be able to buy the car. Now, some of you guys are like, I don't have that money. Well, you start planning now. You start tucking away money now so that when the time is right, you can jump and you have more options. Today's market is absolutely crazy. I would not recommend buying a car in this market. In fact, my wife um, recently got her oil changed this past week, and they asked her when she was bringing it in, Hey, can we give you an estimate of what we would buy your car for? She's like, Yeah, you can get it. That doesn't mean I'm going to sell it. And so they did, and they, they offered her $5,000 less than what we originally paid for the car. But then they came back and said, Hey, and we'll put you in a brand new. 2022 car of the same model, and all you'll have to pay us is $27,000. <laughs> uh, no thanks. So you're telling me that I have to pay twice as much for a car when my car works just fine because you want to buy inventory that you can turn around and sell for more. No, no, we're good. Thanks. So today is not the time to buy a car, much like it's not time to buy a house because the market is crazy high, unless you just have to. Um, yeah, you can sell your car high, But without a lead, you might be stuck buying a car high. Some people ask the question, well, should I lease or should I buy? I was reading a book uh, called Next Door Millionaire, and it addresses several things and shopping habits and things like that. But one of the things it says is this. It says that it talks about millionaires next door and this idea that the millionaire could be living next door to you, and you wouldn't know it because they don't drive the car you think they're going to drive. They don't spend the money on things you think they're going to spend the money on. They live a financially frugal and independent life. And what they said was this, that more than 80% of millionaires, think about this for so more than four out of five millionaires buy their vehicles. They purchase their vehicles, and they said that if and when more than 50% of millionaires begin leasing, then we might change our recommendation for you to lease. But until then, if millionaires are smart enough to buy vehicles, maybe you should buy a vehicle as well just something to think about. Leasing, you end up throwing money away for the down payment. You throw money away on a a payment that you're never going to recoup. And so unless your job is paying for it or doing it for you, it just doesn't make sometimes much sense. I know a buddy of mine who gets a car allowance instead of leasing, he ends up using that to purchase a new car for himself every five or so years. And so there's always a better way than just giving money away without something in return. Now, used or new. I've already kind of mentioned this, but most of the value is in the used market. Um, you, you pay on a new car several percentage points higher than what you're ever going to recoup because of depreciation. And so the only time that I would recommend purchasing a new car is if you can negotiate the price down, if you can get 0% interest, pay cash, and the service or the warranty coverage is, makes it worth it to get that over something that might not be as reliable. That's an exception. That's not the rule. You know, the research also shows that those who are not wealthy, those who are not wealthy are less likely to shop, less likely to haggle, and less likely to negotiate than those that are millionaires. In the book, it says that millionaires take time to research, they take time to shop, they're patient, they haggle, and then negotiate, and therefore it leads to better outcomes long term. And he says car buying behavior can help explain why some some people are wealthy and some are not, most are not. A couple of ending points here for you as we wrap up today. Number one is this. You are not what you drive. Your identity is not wrapped up in the car that you show up in. Some of us need to get this in our mind. We think that whatever car we show up in or whatever vision of who we are in a certain car makes us who we are. You are not what you drive. It is okay for you to drive a Buick Encore. Maybe you're not listening to that. I'm telling myself, it is okay for you to drive a Buick Encore. Now, I would also say this. Plan now. Start investing now in your car fund so that when the time comes, you can purchase cash and not pay interest to somebody else. Prepare now to purchase later. Negotiate, research, pay cash, operate, and, and negotiate from a position of leverage, knowing that they need to sell it more than you need to buy it. Be willing to walk away. Be willing to act like you're going to walk away. Hold firm and know what price you want to get something at. There's principles that work for me, and there's principles that I generally advise to others. There's always exceptions to this, but don't make your life a bunch of exceptions, and don't let those exceptions become rules because the principles exist for a reason. I hope you've enjoyed this talk about cars today and hopefully for some of you, it's kind of giving you some insight to the way we operate as far as how we buy cars or look for cars or things of that nature. Cars, we need them, we need to get around. And so you need to make the best decision possible to be number one, keep your family safe and have safe and reliable transportation. But number two, to not be a burden to the wealth or whatever your goals are financially. You don't want to be stuck paying car payments that you could be using that for vacation or for something else. So, just some things to keep in mind. If you have questions, reach out to me. I hope you've enjoyed it. Stay tuned. Tomorrow, Trash Tuesday, Driver's Edition. Good